morning, everyone. Uh, if we've not met before, my name is Michael, and I'm a pastor here, and it's uh, lovely to have uh, a few new faces with us this morning. It's very exciting. Uh, we do have fellowship lunch after our meeting today, uh, so please feel free uh, to stay back, uh, have a bite with us, and have a yarn with us. You're most welcome. Uh, if you've been with us uh, for a while, you might remember that for most of 2023, we spent the better half of eight months camped out in Matthew's gospel, particularly uh, chapters one through to seven. And you might remember that we spent most of that time in just one sermon of our Lord that's come to be known as uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you uh, weren't with us and you would like to get up to speed on the first part of that series, uh, we have that all recorded for you and it's available on our podcast channel, which can be accessed uh, through our website. Those details are in the bulletin. This morning, we start part two of our series in Matthew and we'll be spending the next few months honing in on chapters 8 through to 10, particularly focusing on our Lord's signs and wonders and miracles that he performed in his earthly ministry and why it mattered that he did them. And then we'll move on to what we as the disciples of Jesus are to do with the gospel as witnesses of Christ's ministry in this world. But before uh, we get into any of that and we look at the passage that we have before us this morning, let's ask for our Heavenly Father's help in the task. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. We are so thankful for the grace that you have shown in our life, that your spirit is with us. And we ask, Father, this morning, that through the preaching of the word, through the coming to the Lord's table a little later on, that you would indeed minister to us, that you would change us, that we would be conformed to the image of your most holy and precious son. Father, we ask for your work in our midst this morning, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. So as I said, uh, the last time we were in the book of Matthew, uh, we were on the mountain with Jesus as he taught his disciples. And it was there that we started to understand that Jesus hadn't come to abolish what had previously been given to the nation of Israel in the law and prophets, but he had come to give it its fullest and most clearest meaning. And we saw that all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus over and over again clearly explaining the heart of God's revelation to his people. But it's here in chapter 8 that our Lord now demonstrates the power of God by performing signs and wonders and miracles, which is God's rubber stamp on the teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples and the masses that we saw on the mount. Looking back on the ministry of Jesus, Peter said it like this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him 
as you yourselves know, Acts 2, verses 22, to which the author of the Hebrews adds, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles, Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4. All that to say, as the Bible defines it, signs and wonders authenticate both the message and the messenger. And now um, it's significant, isn't it, that Matthew uh, now records for us that Jesus now enters this part of his ministry where he starts to do these signs and wonders which prove the truth of his teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And so we might say by words and deeds, Matthew was showing us that Jesus is indeed the Christ that was expected to come. And, and that's important for us to remember, that Jesus is the Christ that was expected to come because the law and the prophets attested to it. And that's actually something Matthew points out to us in our passage this morning. Jesus is the Christ, Israel's king, but he's also God's servant, whom Isaiah spoke of who came to cure his people. And Matthew proves that to be the case in three different scenes, as we'll see. Three different scenes, but we need to keep this in mind. It's important that we do so. Matthew wants us to see one big picture, one significant point that is found right there in verse 17. God always had a plan to send his servant to come to be the cure for his people. And Jesus is that servant. And nobody, nobody is beyond his reach. So if you have your Bibles uh, with you this morning, uh, let's make our way through these scenes together. First looking at verses 1 through to 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't go uh, and tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, church, just to uh, put a bit of context before you uh, this morning, I just want to point out to you two things. First, we're told that one man came through the crowds and he came and knelt before Jesus. And that was a man who had leprosy. Now, leprosy was an absolutely dreadful disease, especially in the time of Jesus. You see, in the ancient world, many thought that leprosy was the judgment of God. And and because it was a disease that not many people knew much about, uh, those who had contracted it for whatever reason were usually thought to spread it among communities. And so lepers were always pushed out of society and ostracised. In one sense, because people thought they were dirty and would spread disease among them, but in another sense, because people were worried that that person 
who they deemed to be under the judgment of God, would spread moral disease among them as well. So not only do we have a man here in whom people would have been fearful of because they didn't want to catch what he had, we also have a man who was on the outskirts of society because people deemed him to be judged of God. So that's the first thing to note here. People with leprosy were social outcasts and they were seen as unclean in every way. Second, in the law of Moses, the priest, which was mentioned in our text, the priest was only there to confirm that you had the disease or that a healing had taken place. It means that the priest was never there to perform the healing itself. In other words, the priest was only there to rubber stamp what only God could do. And so this desperate man makes his way through the crowds and he casts himself before the Lord. And notice what he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Notice that, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It's interesting with the background we just thought about, right? Because he's talking to Jesus like he has the authority and power to take away his physical and spiritual uncleanliness. But church, it's Jesus' reaction that's most stunning. Notice it. He doesn't say, you need to go to God with this, nor, hey, let's pray together on this. No, he reaches out, he touches the man, and he says, I am willing, be clean. Do you see what our evangelist Matthew is showing us here? Do you see that Jesus is in the place of the only one who can actually do something about this man's situation in the place of God himself, who is the healer of all physical, mental and spiritual disease. And so what happens next is hugely significant for the crowds to witness. We're told that he was immediately cleansed of his leprosy. What an incredible scene we have here. Jesus stands in the place of only what God can do and shows his authority and power over the most dreaded of diseases, a disease that made anyone unclean who came in contact with it. Even priests would need to give a sacrifice if they had come in contact with someone with leprosy. Yet Jesus reaches out to this man. He touches him. He remains clean and with the power of his word, He heals him. That's the first scene. Matthew shows us that Jesus makes the unclean clean. Next, he shows us that Jesus came to serve all people, all people, even his enemies. We read in verses 5 through to 13, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. 
For I myself am a, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, he goes. I say to this one, come, he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I haven't found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And at that moment, his servant was healed. Now, just to make a bit of sense of this, Israel was an occupied nation under the mighty fist of Rome, meaning that the Jews were an oppressed people in their own homeland and the guys that Rome used to keep order, usually by brute force, was the Roman legion, Roman soldiers. Now to say that the Roman soldiers and the Jews didn't get on is an absolute understatement. The Jews were treated woefully by their oppressors and those who were in charge of the soldiers on the ground were the centurions, the commanders we might call them. So it's interesting to note the details that Matthew has laid out for us here. This centurion with all the authority and status He doesn't come and demand, but he came very much like the guy with leprosy in a position of humility, asking, some translations say, pleading, imploring Jesus to do something that again only God could do. And that was to do a supernatural work in the life of this man's servant and heal him. Now, we don't know all the details here about uh, how this centurion heard of Jesus or what was going on with his servant, but something drew him to Jesus. Something caused him to know that Jesus was the only one that could work in the life of his servant. And so like the leper who crossed all sorts of social boundaries to get to Jesus, we have a scene with this centurion doing the same thing. Jesus responds, he says, do you want me to go and heal him? Imagine that for a moment. Imagine having Jesus offering to come to your place, to have the most famous uh, rabbi teacher in the country. But incredibly, our evangelist Matthew records something here. The centurion says to Jesus, he's not worthy to have him come to his house. But, and this is where it gets really interesting, he says, I'm a man under authority. I can give a word and it's done. You can give a word and it's done. In other words, somehow this man knew that Jesus had the authority of God and the power of God that he could simply say the word and it would be done. Brothers and sisters, we see something incredible here. We're told that when Jesus heard this, he was absolutely amazed. So amazed, in fact, that he hadn't found this kind of humility and faith even among his own people, among his own people who knew the scriptures, mind you. And so Jesus says, 
I'm going to do what you believe I can do. And as Matthew reports, uh, reports here, with a word, Jesus healed that man's servant. Again, we see the absolute power and authority that Jesus has. With a word, Jesus speaks, things come into being, Jesus acts, and lives are changed. Now, admittedly, uh, there is so much that we could say on just these few verses, but I just want you to notice uh, one thing here. On the one hand, we're seeing the absolute power and authority demonstrated by Jesus. He's willing, he speaks, and light shines in the darkness. Kind of reminds you of Genesis 1, right? Yet on the other hand, look who is coming to Jesus and how Jesus is treating them. The leper, a social and spiritual outcast. The centurion, a Roman commander whose sole purpose was to oppress the people of God. One is seen to be under the judgment of God, and the other is to be seen as the judgment of God. Yet how does Jesus treat these people? How does he treat the outcast and Israel's biggest threat? Well, we see that people, people, no matter who they are, as they humbly come to Jesus, we see that he cares for them. We see Jesus reach out to them because he wants to save them. He wants to heal them. He wants them to come into a saving knowledge of who he is. So first, Matthew shows us that Jesus can make the unclean clean. Second, he shows us that Jesus came to serve all people, even his enemies. Third scene, this was God's plan all along. We read in verses 14 and 15, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. Now, church, you'll immediately notice that things are all backwards here, right? In our first scene, the man with leprosy came to Jesus. In our second scene, the centurion came to Jesus. And we see that they both plead with him. Yet Jesus came into the house. No one says anything. And he simply goes up to Peter's mother-in-law, touches her hand, and she's healed. I think there's a couple of things going on here. First, it goes to show us that Jesus knows exactly what we need even before we ask him. I, I want you to notice our text. He saw her sick in bed. Jesus knew exactly what was wrong and what she needed. So he goes to her. Second, I want you to notice how undramatic her sickness is. She had a fever, maybe a headache, maybe some aches, even a flu. But again, how beautiful is this? It reminds us that nothing is too small or insignificant for our Lord to notice and act upon. It was said before um, 
that we had World Day of Prayer here on Friday and we were reminded of that very thing. We were reminded that we are to take all our cares before the Lord because, and Peter makes this explicit, because he cares for us. And so church, it's in these little moments in the ministry of Jesus after he's proven to the crowds that he can make the unclean clean in a moment after he's proven to the Gentiles that he just needs to say the word and it will happen. He then comes to the sickly woman, holds her hand and heals her of the smallest thing. Our God cares He cares about the cosmic things. He cares about the little things. And we can take it all to him because not only does he care for us, but he has the power over it all. And when I say all, I mean all as Matthew continues in verse 16 of our text this morning. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all sick, all the sick. And so in one breath, Jesus comes into the home of Peter and deals with the smallest thing, yet in the next breath, people were being brought to Jesus and he's showing us that yet again his power and authority is there, it's over all things, and he's doing things that only God can take care of. And Matthew tells us, In no uncertain terms, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases, verse 17. This is so incredibly interesting what Matthew was doing here. And I I say it's interesting because our evangelist is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah, in the 52nd and 53rd chapter of his book, prophesied that there would come a day when God would send a servant and that servant would come to save his people. How? By serving them. By taking on their infirmities and bearing their disease. And Matthew is saying to us here this morning in our passage, this Jesus, this Jesus who taught and preached, who was attested to by these incredible signs and wonders to prove he's the Christ who stood in the place of God and had the power over leprosy, over a servant, of a centurion he never met, over a fever, over the demon possessed, over all sickness. This Jesus... He could reach into the lives of people who were so far past human aid and he could save them and spare them. There was nothing too great or too small for him. This Jesus was spoken about by God long ago. He's the servant that God said he would send one day to save his people. church, the servant did indeed come. And as Isaiah goes on to say in the rest of uh, chapter 53, the servant didn't come to be served, but to serve. And ultimately, he would give everything to serve, even giving his very life for others. And no more clearly do we see that 
in the cross. In reflection to the ministry of Jesus, the Apostle Paul